G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. G'day and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. Matt G's with you as we look at life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. Just a reminder, you can hear the program of 2020 every weekday on the Vision Radio Network in the West from 8am, in Queensland from 10 and in the Eastern Daylight Savings States from 11am. On today's podcast, we're featuring... Ken Legg. If you're a regular listener to Vision, you'll be familiar with his name. His radio program is set free and you can hear it every weekday here on Vision. But Ken's also the author of numerous books and his brand new one is called Grace Roots, 40 Days of Grace. And of course, as the title suggests, it's all about the grace of God extended towards believers. Ken's back with us to talk about this new book, and he joins Neil Johnson in the studio. Hi, Neil. Good to be here. Ken, when you talk about grace, uh, grace is one of the great themes of the Scriptures, but it seems to be one of the most misunderstood because there are different ways that people define grace. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, Neil. It is misunderstood, and, and actually in the book I deal with several myths about grace. But let's start by saying that grace is one of the things that makes Christianity unique because grace is all about what God has done for us in Christ. Whereas religion, it's you trying to do something for God to get into his good book so that he'll bless you or accept you or save you or whatever. But it's all about what God has done for us in Jesus. And uh, it's all unconditional. It's what he's done for us, not what we're trying to do for him. So, you know, in the Old Testament, for example, people would greet one another with the word shalom, which is peace. Now, you look at Paul's epistles, he starts every one of them, grace and peace unto you. And then signs off, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And so it is a real distinctive of the new covenant. So when we talk about grace, it shouldn't be as though there's some competition between Christian denominations. Uh, Comparatively, when we talk about grace, we say this is one of the wonderful things about Christianity in comparison to other world religions where people are trying to find their way to God. And in Christianity, there's a different way of God offering uh, this salvation that comes by his own gift. Yeah, well, uh, Jesus said, look, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And uh, he said that actually in contradistinction to the law, because you remember when the church council came together in Acts chapter 15, they were they to nut out this whole issue. Well, where do Christians stand there in regard to the law? The Jewish sort of teachers were trying to stick the law on the Gentiles, and uh, they, they came together. They said, no, it doesn't belong in the new covenant because we're married to Christ, and he's the source of our holiness. So, so then they said, we couldn't keep this law. It was a heavy yoke to us. Why are we trying to put it on to the Gentiles when we even Jews couldn't keep it? So um, why I'm saying that is because the reason I wrote this book is is that I found that just teaching the grace of God, without exaggeration, Neil, we've just seen so many people liberated, set free, and brought into the joy and freedom that Christ purchased them to enjoy, you know? And so um, this is no exaggeration, uh, one one guy phoned me up. He said, I was about to commit suicide. 
He said, I just could not keep up with all the rules and regulations, which he later discovered to be commandments of man, not 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 what God was asking of him. And, and so he was really just despairing and literally was about to take his life. Now, on a sad note, another lady who uh, discovered the grace of God through us, she said, look, um, I actually know someone who did take their own life. And can you believe this, Neil? At the funeral service, it was actually read out that he said he could not keep up with all the stringent laws and requirements of the Christian life. He just chucked it in. What a what a what a sad testimony that is, because that's not what Jesus uh, died to save us. You know, that's not the life he died to to give to us. He said, "I've come that you might have life, that you might have it abundantly." My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So, if people are laboring today, trying to live some form of you know religious Christian life. It's not what Jesus is really putting upon them. It's a, it's a yoke that others have imposed upon them. Of course, we understand Christianity as one of the great world religions. But when you start to define religiosity yeah. in response to what others will say is a relational uh, way that we communicate and the way that we receive from God, then uh, then there is a difference, isn't there, between that religiosity and yeah. And what God is wanting to do is relating to us as our Heavenly Father. Exactly. I mean, the word religion, I don't know if you've ever discovered, uh, uh, um, studied that word, it's from a Latin word, ligare, which means to tie or to bind. <laughs> Interesting. In other words, to bring people into bondage. That's what religion does. It just lays laws and laws upon people and brings condemnation with that. But Jesus said, I didn't come to give you a law. I came to give you a life. He that has the Son has life. So we're not trying to attain to something. We have received something which we're living out. Paul says, work out your own salvation because it's God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So all we're doing is working out what God has worked in. He's given us a life. You know, the Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't try to attain to something. I'm giving it to you. <laughs> and, and you just work it out and walk it out. In their daily living. Ken, there's some people I know would be thinking, uh, you know, there are necessities for yep. boundaries. Yes. Now, boundaries make us feel comfortable. Yep. Uh, they give us a sense of identity. They give us a sense of purpose. Yeah. Uh, without those boundaries, we can mm. be left drifting. Yeah. Uh, but does grace relate to those sorts of boundaries that that make us feel comfortable? You know, that that's one of the fears that people have when you start talking about grace is that you're giving people a license to sin, to run wild, to live as they please. Um, and so we put the we put them back under the law to put those boundaries around them. And what that says basically is that we don't trust the Holy Spirit to do that work in them. You know, we've got to put a, a fence around them so that they don't run and, and, and just kind of fall off the cliff, you know. Well, the Holy Spirit is given to us to guide us. And, you know, the, the Bible says that actually the Spirit wars against the flesh. He doesn't make a gentle suggestion, that's not good for you. He says, don't go there. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So we can trust the Holy Spirit, but sadly we don't. And so we put these laws and rules on people because it just basically goes to show that we don't really believe the Holy Spirit can do a good job. But the Bible says this, that he that began the good work in you, he'll perform it. And, and look, I mean, if you want boundaries, I, I would say that the, the boundaries would come in the sense of the law of sowing and reaping. Paul says, whoever sows to the flesh f shall from the flesh reap corruption. So there are consequences for sin. That's just a part of the, the world we live in. If we sow uh, bad seeds, we'll get a bad harvest. Now, we've all experienced that. So a wise man says, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Once bitten, twice shy. They're the boundaries. You know, like um, if you put your hand on, on a hot stove, 
do you do it again? <laughs> no, I, got, I got the message the first time round. <laughs> we know uh, that we can identify what sins are. Yeah. Uh, yeah sin itself. Interestingly, uh, sin is something that we are all tarred with yep. uh, right from birth. Yeah. Uh, but sins somehow or other t- uh, tend to separate us from yep. uh, an intimacy with God. Yes. How does grace work when it comes to not only our forgiveness of our sins and our being yeah. made righteous, but also in the daily outworking of our life. Actually, I love the word or the term that you use there, Neil, intimacy, because uh, under the old covenant, people, in fact, Paul says they were married to the law. They were married to the law. So, you know, as you say, how do you know what's right and what's wrong? How, how do you know what's acceptable, what's not acceptable behavior? Go to the law, and it spells it out. Now, as you know, the more laws... That there are the more laws that are needed to interpret those laws. So you have sub laws, and and in the end, I think we ended up with about six hundred and thirteen laws of the Old Testament. And then, of course, the elders came along in the intertestamental period. They said, "No, that's not enough." Uh, so they they added another couple of thousand or so. And, and that's what law does. You've got to keep running to someone. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I? Is this okay? Is this not okay? Is this in or is this out? You know. And so we're forever asking what's acceptable. Now, what? Paul teaches is that when we become a Christian, we died to that marriage to the law because it was a sterile marriage. It never brought forth any fruit. Nothing wrong with the law. Paul never denigrated the law. But he said Christ fulfilled the law, and now we have died to the law so that we can be married to Christ. And so that's the source of our holiness. He is the source of our holiness. You know, Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And so through the indwelling Holy Spirit, we're led. You know, the Bible says that um, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You can't be, you, you're either in one covenant relating to God via a law or in another covenant relating to God via the Holy Spirit. Does that mean we throw out the Scriptures? Absolutely not. Um, the Scriptures are a light and a lamp to our feet. But in terms of um, those gray areas you talk about, and there's lots of those, isn't there? See, some people, for example, they think that a certain kind of music is not really um, appropriate for Christians to listen to. So are we going to legislate that when the Bible doesn't legislate that? No, the Holy Spirit leads us. And, and he's the one that leads us out of any kind of behavior and activity that is just not glorifying to God and edifying to the believer. Legislation is the scary thing. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to what is right, what is yeah. wrong, yeah. Jesus is very much the center of all yeah. of this, isn't he? Because yeah. uh, because Christ-likeness is the fruit of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, his motivations become our motivations. Yeah. So if you're making judgments on those things, where do you put Jesus in the center of grace? Well, it's really that Jesus now lives in us. Now, the one who fulfilled the law, and can I say the only one who has ever fulfilled the law, because the trouble is, Neil, is that people in Jesus' day actually thought they were keeping all the law. You know, the Pharisees thought they were ticking all the boxes. Then Jesus came along and wrecked their party. <laughs> he said, well, hang on, you say you've never murdered anyone. But if, actually, if you're angry with someone, you've committed that murder in your heart. You say you've never committed adultery, but you're lusting after this lady. So you're doing that in your heart. And then so basically he raised the bar so high. In fact, the Old Testament prophet said he will magnify the law and make it honorable. He'll give it its real glory and its real um, preeminence so that we all put our hands over our mouths and say, uh-oh, I'm guilty. I can't do that. I've never done that. Um, I stand condemned. Now, the one who fulfilled the law is Jesus. 
He comes to live inside us. So the Bible says that his law is written upon our hearts. Um, Am I going to commit adultery when Jesus, um, who fulfilled the righteousness of the law in that respect and in every respect, lives in me? No, I know that's wrong. I don't even need to ask. I mean, I'm fulfilling. A guy was talking to me, and he said, oh, so, you know, you say we're not in the law, so that means I can commit adultery. And he kept saying this. And I say, well, why why do you say that? Do you want to? (laughs) Why do you keep saying that? You know, I mean, Jesus is living in me. I've got no um, sort of uh, secret plan to go out and commit adultery because Christ is the root of my holiness, and, and he lives inside me. So I'm married to Christ. And as you say, he he's the benchmark. And... um we're not perfect, but he's working out what he's worked in. And that's the glory of the new covenant is that um, holiness is internal rather than external. I think, I think sadly, uh, Neil, we, we, we fall into the trap of trying to become like the world with behavior modification. Uh, what I mean by that is, um, you know, we, we try to give the rules and, and, and the do's and the don'ts. And what we're doing basically is trying to uh, train the flesh how to behave. Well, God doesn't have a program of reformation for the flesh. What he has is a new man, a new life in Christ. And that comes to us by the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So it's God who works in us through that indwelling life of Christ. Is it a fair enough thing, Ken, to say that grace has to do uh, with uh, God and the way that he receives us as individuals? But is it a fair enough thing to say that his body of Christ, the church, Yep. is identified by behaviors, uh, by the things that we do? Yeah. Now, if you look at Paul, that's a very good question. If you look at Paul's epistles, they're in two parts. Um, there's what we call teaching, and then there's exhortation to behavior or conduct. Or you can put it another way, teaching and preaching, or doctrine and application of that doctrine. Now, unfortunately, a lot of preachers start with the application. They exhort people to behave. Paul never did that. First of all, he told them, who they were in Christ, in their new creation. You are the righteousness of Christ, Christ uh, of God in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, how does a righteous person behave righteously? How does a sinner behave? He sins. So if people know who they are, their, their lives will actually come into sync with the picture that they see of themselves. That's why it's so important that we teach, as Paul did, first of all, identity. You look at his epistles to Ephesians, Romans, Colossians, the first half of those epistles, he never exhorted them to do anything. He just said, sit and listen, I want to tell you what's happened to you, who you are. This is who you are now. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You're sons of God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, how does someone who is who are these things behave? What's the corresponding behavior of that? Therefore, walk worthy of this new life that you have in Christ. Ken, speak into the lives of those uh, listening to our conversation now who perhaps Mm. through their whole Christian life have Mm. felt as though being a follower of Christ is obedience to a strict set of rules. What is the thing that you would share into the heart of that person that says uh, you can be free from the bondage that comes to those rules in an understanding of this grace that you're writing about? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, God didn't, as I said earlier on, God didn't give us a law under the new covenant. He gave us a life. He didn't give us rules. He gave us a relationship. So it's all about relationship. Remember, that's what we signed up for. That's what we were promised right at the beginning is, you know, you can have a relationship with God the Son. And, and, and that's what really encaptured our hearts and, and drew us into this wonderful life. Now, if somebody has been, and there are many of us have been, and, and somehow I kind of feel that it's almost necessary that we have this pre 
uh, law work, if I can put well, – that's probably – I've said it the wrong way. But if we have this law work in our lives before coming to the fullness of our understanding that our life really is in Christ, because the law brings us to the end of ourselves. Now, I would, I would say there are many Christians listening today who are in a position that I was in several years ago where I just came to the end of myself and says, I can't do it. I cannot do this anymore. I can't keep up with it. And God says, good, I've been waiting for that. You know, <laughs> see, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of preachers turn out the other way around. They say, Christ is our schoolmaster to bring us to the law and bring us into bondage to a set of rules. Jesus died so that we might be delivered from the law. That's a biblical term, by the way. That we might be dead to, you know, to the law. Well, Ken, uh, I'll point people to your website because uh, some people might mm. want to get a hold of your new book. It's called 40 Days of Grace, Grace Roots. It's by Ken Legg. You can order it through UCB Direct, and you can also get it from www.kenlegg.com.au. And, Ken, uh, it's a refreshing read and uh, certainly refreshing hearing you talk about those issues of grace and uh, that there is a certain freedom uh, that we need to understand as believers uh, when it comes to the way we look at the Bible, we look at relationship with God, we look at religion yeah. and and understand that it's by grace that we're saved yeah. and uh, that love is our motivation and not necessarily legalism. Ken Legg, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks for the opportunity, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.